Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. It's the How to Sleep Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Schaefer. It's Sunday morning as usual as I record this. Uh, this Sunday morning in particular uh, is raining outside. It's a, a dreary, dreary Sunday morning, I guess. It doesn't feel dreary so much as just almost like that perfect, cozy morning on a weekend. Uh, to relax, maybe cover up in a blanket, an afghan, whatever type of uh, blanket you want, maybe some sweatpants, hoodie. I'm going to make a good Brunswick stew today, so it's that type of day. Watch some football. Um, So um, get cozy when you're listening to this. Um, Whenever you listen to this, uh, have that mindset. I love it. Um, But before the football, let's get into... This is going to be an interesting one. Um, it's the season. Uh, it's October. It's the season of Halloween. And uh, what better how to to discuss. And I got this from a friend uh, last night. Then how to make a mummy. And uh, I don't know about you, but mummies for me were always uh, they're in scary movies and horror movies. Um the first one probably being uh, The Monster Squad, if you've ever seen that movie from the, I want to say the, the mid to late 80s, definitely the 80s. And uh, Joe Dante, I think, made it. Could be wrong there. I'd have to double check. But, um, you know, that was the, the, the first mummy I saw in, in film, and, and they were scary, right? And, uh, and they don't have to be. You know, there was a process to them. There's a reason why they did it. Um, the ancient Egyptians, and, and we're going to get into it. So um, mummies, a perfectly spooky topic for the How to Sleep podcast this fall morning, um, or whenever you listen to this. Maybe some people want to hear about mummies year-round. So we're going to get into it. There's a couple articles here I wanted to share, one from uh, the Smithsonian Institute, um, which makes a lot of sense to to hear how they um, sort of break down the process and the history. And then there's an article from Live Science, a website that I I found interesting and wanted to share. And then we'll do a nice recap of the sort of the 10 steps um, through mylearning.org, which is a nice recap for all of us. So it's going to be a chock chock full of history and and some of the how-to all about the mummification process. So, let's start with the Smithsonian Institute. And they have an article here on ancient Egypt and Egyptian mummies. So, the methods of embalming or treating the dead body that the ancient Egyptians used is called mummification. Using special processes, the Egyptians removed all moisture from the body, leaving only a dried form that would not easily decay. It was important in their religion to preserve the dead body in as life-like a manner as possible. So, so successful were they that today we can view the mummified body of an Egyptian and have a good idea of what he or she looked like in life 3,000 years ago. Mummification was practiced throughout most of early Egyptian history. The earliest mummies from prehistoric times probably were accidental. 
by chance, dry sand and air, since Egypt has almost no measurable rainfall, preserve some bodies buried in shallow pits dug into the sand. About 2600 BC, during the 4th and 5th dynasties, Egyptians probably began to mummify the dead intentionally. The practice continued and developed for well over 2,000 years into the Roman period, uh, CA 30 BC to AD 364. Within any one period, the quality of the mummification varied, depending on the price paid for it. Editors know, of course, <laughs> you get what you pay for. Um, the best prepared and preserved mummies are from the 18th through the 12th or 20th dynasties of the New Kingdom, CA 1570 to 1075 BC, and include those of Tutankhamun and other well-known pharaohs. It is the general process of this period that shall be described here. Process The mummification process took 70 days. Special priests worked as embalmers, treating and wrapping the body. Beyond knowing the correct rituals and prayers to be performed at various stages, the priests also needed a detailed knowledge of human anatomy. The first step in the process was the removal of all internal parts that might decay rapidly. The brain was removed by carefully inserting special hooked instruments up through the nostrils in order to pull out bits of brain tissue. It was a delicate operation, one which could easily disfigure the face. The embalmers then removed the organs of the abdomen and chest through a cut usually made on the left side of the abdomen. They left only the heart in place, believing it to be the center of a person's being and intelligence. The other organs were preserved separately, with the stomach, liver, lungs, and intestines placed in special boxes or jars today called uh, canopic, uh, canopic, I think that's canopic jars, I think. That's how you pronounce that. These were buried with the mummy. In later mummies, the organs were treated, wrapped, and replaced within the body. Even so, unused canopic jars continue to be part of the burial ritual. The embalmers next removed all moisture from the body. This they did by covering the body with natron, a type of salt which has great drying properties, and by placing additional natron packets inside the body. When the body had dried out completely, embalmers removed the internal packets and lightly washed the natron off the body. The result was a very dried out but recognizable human form. To make the mummy seem even more lifelike, sunken areas of the body were filled out with linen and other materials and false eyes were added. Next, the wrapping began. Each mummy needed hundreds of yards of linen. The priests carefully wound the long strips of linen around the body, sometimes even wrapping each finger and toe separately before wrapping the entire hand or foot. In order to protect the dead from mishap, amulets were placed among the wrappings and prayers and magical words written on some of the linen strips. Often the priest placed a mask of the person's face between the layers of head, uh, head bandages. At several stages, the form was coated with warm resin, and the wrapping resumed once again. At last, the priests wrapped the final cloth or shroud in place and secured it with linen strips. The mummy was complete. The priests preparing the mummy were not the only ones busy during this time. 
Although the tome or tomb preparation usually had begun long before the person's actual death, now there was a deadline, and craftsmen, workers, and artists worked quickly. There is much to be placed in the tomb that a person would need in the afterlife. Furniture and statuettes were ready. Wall paintings of religious or daily scenes were prepared, and lists of food or prayers finished. Through a magical process, these models, pictures, and lists would become the real thing when needed in the afterlife. Everything was now ready for the funeral. As part of the funeral, priests performed special religious rites at the tomb's entrance. The most important part of the ceremony was called the opening of the mouth. A priest touched various parts of the mummy with a special instrument to open those parts of the body to the senses enjoyed in life and needed in the afterlife. By touching the instrument to the mouth, the dead person could now speak and eat. He was now ready for his journey to the afterlife. The mummy was placed in his coffin or coffins in the burial chamber and the entrance sealed up. Such elaborate burial practices might suggest that the Egyptians were preoccupied with thoughts of death. On the contrary, they began early to make plans for their death because of their great love of life. They could think of no better than uh, no no life better than the present, and they wanted to be sure it would continue after death. But why preserve the body? The Egyptians believed that the mummified body was the home for this soul or spirit. If the body was destroyed, the spirit might be lost. The idea of spirit was complex, involving really three spirits, the Ka, Ba, and the Ak. The Ka, a double of the person, would remain, or remain in the tomb and needed the offerings and objects there. The Ba, or soul, was free to fly out of the tomb and return to it. And it was the Ak, perhaps translated as spirit, which had to travel through the underworld to the final judgment and entrance to the afterlife. To the Egyptian, all three were essential. Who was mummified? After death, the pharaohs of Egypt usually were mummified and buried in elaborate tombs. Members of the nobility and officials also often received the same treatment, and occasionally common people. However, the process was an expensive one, beyond the means of many. For religious reasons, some animals were also mummified. The sacred bulls from the early dynasties had their own cemetery at Saqqara. Baboons, cats, birds, and crocodiles, which also had great religious significance, were sometimes mummified, especially in the later dynasties. The study of mummies today. Ancient writers, modern scientists, and the mummies themselves all help us better understand the Egyptian mummification process and the culture in which it existed. Much of what we know about the actual process is based on the writings of early historians, uh, such as Herodotus, who carefully recorded the process during his travels to Egypt around 450 BC. Present-day archaeologists and other specialists are adding to this knowledge. The development of x-rays now makes it possible to x-ray mummies without destroying the elaborate outer wrappings. By studying the x-rays or performing autopsies on unwrapped bodies, experts are learning more about diseases suffered by the Egyptians and their medical treatment. A better idea of average height and lifespan comes from studying the bones. By learning their age at death, the order and dates of the Egyptian kings becomes a little clearer. 
Even ties of kinship in the royal line can be suggested by the striking similarities or dissimilarities in the skulls of pharaohs that followed one another. Dead now for thousands of years, the mummy continues to speak to us. All right, the Smithsonian gets us off to a rip-roaring start for the process of mummification. We're going to go now to a LiveScience.com article um, called Mummification, the Lost Art of Embalming the Dead. Um, this is by a gentleman named Tom Garlinghouse, published uh, this past July 15th, 2020. Um, there'll be some overlap here, but I think it's uh, it's nice to hear both um, a little bit more detail from a slightly different angle. So uh, we'll get into this. Um, it's a mummification, the lost art of embalming the dead by Tom Garlinghouse. Mummification or the process of preserving the dead was once a widespread, a widespread practice among many ancient societies. We even have a picture of a mummy here and, you know, the caption for most people today. Mummies are the stuff of horror movies, gothic novels, or arcane religious rites. But mummification was a widespread and honored tradition in the ancient world, one that was imbued with deep religious significance and often performed by skilled specialists. Let's get into the article. For many people, mummies and mummification evoke a sense of the macabre conjuring images of a grotesque linen-wrapped monstrosity shambling through an ancient temple. Indeed, for many decades, mummies have been in the cast of horror movies and gothic novels uh, and filed away in the public imagination as belonging to arcane religious rites. But mummification was a widespread and honored tradition in the ancient world, one that was imbued with deep religious significance and often performed by skilled specialists. It was practiced as a way to venerate the dead or express an important religious belief, especially a belief in an afterlife. Various cultures have been known to mummify their dead. The most well-known are the ancient Egyptians, but the Chinese, the ancient people of the Canary Islands, the Guanches, and many pre-Columbian societies of South America, including the Incas, practiced mummification as well. How are mummies made? Mummification is the process of preserving the body after death by deliberately drying or embalming flesh. This typically involved removing moisture from a diseased body and using chemicals or natural preservatives such as resin to desiccate the flesh and organs. Mummies are also created by unintentional or accidental processes, which is known as natural mummification. This can happen when a dead body is exposed to extreme cold, very dry conditions, or some other environmental factor that mitigates against decay. The oldest mummy on record in North America, found at Spirit Cave outside, uh, outside of Fallon, Nevada, is an example of natural mummification. Wrapped in a tool mat, it was found in a shallow grave and preserved by the dry atmosphere and rarefied air of the cave. Discovered in 1940 and originally believed to be, be between 1,500 and 2,000 years old, the individual was subsequently radiocarbon dated in the 1990s 
and determined to be over 10,000 years old, live science previously reported. In contrast, the oldest known Egyptian mummy that was naturally preserved dates to just over 5,500 years ago, live science reported. That mummy was of a young woman whose body was wrapped in linen and fur after she died. Another famous naturally preserved mummy is the oldest known in Europe, Otzi the Iceman, who lived about 5,300 years ago. After Otzi was married in what is now the Italian, uh, was murdered in what is now the, that's married, it's funny, um, in what is now the Italian Alps, his body was preserved in the snow and ice until tourists discovered his remains in 1991. The first civilization to practice mummification. The oldest deliberately interred mummies were unearthed in the Camarones Valley of Chile. This valley is in the far north of the country, in a region called the Atacama Desert. A narrow strip of land between the Pacific Ocean and the Andes Mountains, this desert reserves, uh, receives little rainfall and is considered one of the driest places on Earth. The mummies there were found in 1917 by the German archaeologist Max Uli at Chinchoro Beach near the town of Erica, CNN reported. The mummies belonged to what Uli called the Chinchoro culture 9,000 to 3,100 years ago, who lived in what is now southern Peru and northern Chile. Chinchoro people settled in coastal villages and relied on fishing as their primary means of subsistence, using fishing hooks made out of shellfish. They also hunted animals on land and gathered edible plants from the surrounding area. The Chinchoro practice of mummification began around 7,000 years ago, some two millennia before the first known Egyptian mummies, according to the same CNN report. Although the practice became more sophisticated over time, the basic process remained the same. It involved the removal of soft tissue, organs, and brains. The hollow body was then dried out and reassembled. The skin was stuffed with reeds, dried plants, or other vegetable, or vegetable matter. Sticks were inserted into the arms and legs. Clay masks were placed on the corpse's faces and wigs were often attached. The finished mummy was then painted. During the early phases of Chinchuro society, about 7,050 to 4,500 years ago, mummies were painted with black manganese. From 2,500 BC until the practice died out sometime during the first century BC, Red ochre replaced the manganese. Not just the elite, but all segments of Chinchuro society were mummified, including infants, children, adults, and even fetuses. Egyptian mummification. It was in ancient Egypt, however, that mummification reached its greatest elaboration. The first Egyptian mummies appeared in the archaeological record at approximately 3,500 BC. By the time of the Old Kingdom, or Age of the Pyramids, CA 2686 to 2181 BC, mummification was well entrenched in Egyptian society. It became a mainstay during subsequent periods, reaching particular heights of sophistication during the New Kingdom, CA 1550 to 1069 BC. Unlike in Chinchuro society, mummification in ancient Egypt was typically reserved for the elite of society, such as royalty, 
noble families, government, government officials, and the wealthy. Common people were really mummified because the practice was expensive. Mummification in ancient Egypt was deeply entwined with the society's religious beliefs. The ancient Egyptians were obsessed with the afterlife, said Rita Luccarelli, an Egyptian, uh, Egyptologist and expert in Egyptian papyri, or ancient texts, at the University of California, Berkeley. They believe that there is another life after the life here on Earth. End quote. The ancient Egyptians believed that when a person died, their spiritual essence survived. This essence went on a journey where it encountered numerous divine and demonic beings with its ultimate destiny to be judged by Osiris, the god of the dead. If found blameless, the deceased was allowed to live with the gods in an eternal paradise. Quote, in order for the spiritual part of the deceased to make this journey, the body needed to stay intact, Lucarelli said. Uh, end quote. This was why the Egyptians placed such importance on mummification and why the procedure was undertaken with meticulous care. Unfortunately, there is little discussion of the actual process of mummification in ancient Egyptian texts, at least in the ones that have survived. What is discussed, Lucarelli noted, are the rituals involved in mummification rather than the nuts and bolts of the process. Instead, the particulars of the practice have come down to us largely through uh, non-Egyptian sources, sources, such as the 5th century Greek writer Herodotus, who lived 484 to 425 BC. In his famous work, The Histories, he described three levels of mummification, each distinguished from the other based on the effort and elaborateness of the process. The most elaborate method involved the removal of the brain and many of the internal organs first, especially the contents of the abdomen. The brain was typically removed using a curved metal implement that was inserted through the nostrils, while the other organs were removed by hand after an incision was made along the stomach. The empty cavity was filled with a variety of aromatic spices, such as myrrh and cassia, made from the bark of evergreen trees, before the body was stitched up. Quote, the heart was always left inside, Lucarelli said, because the Egyptians believed it was the most important aspect of the person and that it contained the intellect. End quote. The deceased was then covered in salt for 70 days to remove all moisture. After 70 days had passed, the body was washed and wrapped in linen. A sticky resin was applied to make sure the bandages adhered to the body. Quote, the corpse is then handed over to the relatives. Herodotus wrote, who enclose it in a hollow wooden coffin crafted to resemble a human, which they have made for this purpose. And once the coffin is closed, they stow it away in a burial chamber. End quote. A few hundred years later, Greek historian Diodorus Siculus lived 30 to 90 BC, who traveled to and wrote about Egypt, described additional information about the process of mummification. In his book, Library of History, Siculus noted that the men who performed the mummification, called embalmers, were skilled artisans who learned the skill as a family business. He wrote that embalmers were, quote, considered worthy of every honor and consideration associating with the priests and even coming and going to the temples without hindrance, end quote. He described the work of these embalmers as so meticulous that, quote, even the hair on the islands and 
and brows remains. The entire appearance of the body is unchanged, and the cast of its shape is recognizable. End quote. Egyptian mummification gradually faded out in the 4th century, when Rome ruled Egypt. Quote, then with the advent of Christianity, the mummification process ceased, Luparelli said. Today, except for very rare instances, mummification is a lost art. Most societies consider it bizarre or archaic, a leftover from a bygone time. But echoes of the process can nonetheless be seen in modern funeral homes where embalming the dead plays a role in honoring our loved ones. All right, so there's a, a second article to follow up from the Smithsonian article. A um, little bit more history, um, learning a little bit more, more about the process and the history of the process um, by Tom Garlinghouse from LiveScience.com. And we're going to finish it out with uh, just a quick 10-step recap of the process by my at a article at mylearning.org the top 10 steps of egyptian mummification you are going to be if you're listening to this and an expert um or at least feel like an expert on the process of mummification if you weren't before so um as we know this is the recap the egyptians believed that after death they would have a new kind of life called the afterlife as well as needing all their everyday possessions for the next life. They also needed their bodies, and so they were preserved or mummified after they died. It took 70 days to fully prepare a body for burial, although sometimes poor people might be mummified in less than a week. I wonder if those people are actually, those mummies uh, exist anymore, less than a week, the cheap version. Um, the process of preparing the body to stop a decaying is known as embalming. So, ta 10 ancient Egyptian embalming tips. Number one, the embalmers first had to remove the moist parts of body, which would rot. The brain was removed through the nostrils with a hook and thrown away because it was not to believed to be important. Two, the internal organs were removed through a cut in the left side of the body. The lungs, liver, stomach, and intestines were mummified separately and placed in special containers called canopic jars. Three, the heart was left in the mummy in order to be weighed against the feather of truth and justice in the afterlife by the god Anubis. If the deceased had done bad things, then their heart would be heavy and they would not be allowed into the afterlife. Instead, Amet, who was part crocodile, lion, and hippopotamus, would devour them. If, only if the heart weighed the same as the feather could the deceased person go into the afterlife. Four, the body was covered in a kind of salt called natron for 40 days to dissolve body fats and absorb the moisture. Five, linen was used to pad out the cavities and the body was treated with herbs, oils, and resin. Six, makeup, jewelry, and a wig were usually placed in the body. Any missing or damaged parts would be replaced with wooden parts so that the person's body would be complete in the afterlife. 7. Protective amulets, necklaces, were placed on the body like the scarab amulet and the wedget eye amulet. 8. 
The embalmers then wrapped the body in linen bandages. This took 15 days while spells and rituals were performed to ensure safe passage to the afterlife. The body was fitted with a mask and placed in a coffin or series of coffins. 9. The opening of the mouth ceremony took place just before burial. The priest would touch the face of the coffin with special instruments to restore speech, sight, and hearing for the afterlife. The coffin, or 10, the coffin was then placed in the tomb and surrounded by possessions and small model workers called Shaptis, who would work for the dead in the afterlife. Well, there we have it. A very thorough uh, reading and background and history and knowledge on the how-to of mummification. I never thought I'd uh, be doing this one, but it makes sense. Halloween's right around the corner. We're here in October, and it's a perfectly creepy topic for this time of year. And, and also, really interesting. Um, not meant to be creepy by them. You know, they believed in, in this process and why they were doing it. And like like the article said, it was, it was about a love for life and wanting to preserve that life beyond, beyond death, right? Um, we... You know, we can make anything creepy um, when we try. And, of course, you know, ghosts and anything beyond death it can be creepy, for sure. And um, books and, and movies have done, a, and TV shows have done a pretty darn good job with that. But uh, interesting, all the same, to see, um, you know, why why it wasn't creepy to them um, when we just made it creepy. Um, or in the case of you know, perhaps the Brendan Fraser-led series, The Mummy. Um, uh, it's it's an adventure, right, to embattle in The Mummy. So um, hope you enjoyed this one. There are also a slew of articles. You'll see the links um, to these three articles in the show notes. But uh, there's a slew of really interesting articles about various mummies, uh, many people, myself included, read about Tutankhamun um, in school. Um, there's tons of videos um, um, for children. National, Ge I think I saw a National Geographic link there for adults. Um, I'm sure there's a, a ton of documentaries made, um, uh, you know, actually taking you into these tombs and, and seeing people discover mummies. And um, and so, dig if you're interested. Dig uh, further. Uh, to to learn more um, about about the mummy process because um, it's fascinating and, and it goes so much further beyond um, you know these um, you know sort of high level overviews of, of how it worked so you can actually see it I think hearing it um, is one thing but to see what mummies look like when they are preserved which is really a fascinating image is is really something to add and supplement this this article, this, uh, this podcast. So, um, hope you enjoyed it. Um, just, you know, as a recap for the show, if you're enjoying this, share with the friends and family, subscribe to the show review. Um, if you can, those are helpful. Um, and then on social media, how to sleep podcast, um, Instagram, um, Facebook, Gmail, all those good things that we get to, um, if you haven't fallen asleep yet. So, Thanks for listening. This was a fun one, how to mummify. Um, until the next episode, I will talk to you all soon.